everybody and welcome to the latest edition of Infection Control Matters. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about GORN, the Global Outbreak Response Network for the WHO. And uh, to help us talk about that today, I've got uh, Dr. Peter Ann Zimmerman with us. Good day, Peter Ann. Hi, Brett. How are you going? Excellent. Thank you. So uh, Dr. Peter Ann Zimmerman is a senior lecturer and advisor at Griffith University uh, and um, also oversees the Graduate Infection Control Research Programs. She's a board director of the Australasian College for Infection Control. Um, and she has some great links and networks and has been working with the World Health Organization in the context of uh, the Global Outbreak Alert and Response Network for some time. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about that today, Peter Ann. Okay. So tell me a little bit about, now we just had this conversation actually offline, go Ann, gone. Uh, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about it, please? Okay, um, so the Global Outbreak Alert and Response Network, um, lovingly called GAN or GORN, um, depending on, like I said, who you are, um, is um, it's been around since just before SARS. So SARS-1 we're talking about, so 2003. But it was really truly activated to its full, well, its initial potential um, in 2003 with SARS-1, the outbreak that started in um, Southeast Asia or the Western Pacific region of the World Health Organization. So GOAN is essentially a partnership of institutions around the world um, that supplies experts in, in various disciplines that would contribute to global outbreak alert and response. Now, that includes everything from infection prevention and control to epidemiology, public health, uh, clinical management, um, vet health, so animal health, uh, because of the number of zoonoses that are involved. Uh, we also have uh, risk communication and community engagement. Uh, we have anthropologists. Uh, we have laboratory. Um, yeah, uh, it's actually quite broad and diverse. And when there is a request for assistance, the Goan Secretariat, which sits in Geneva uh, at WHO, is um, it sends out what they actually need for a specific outbreak. Um, and um, the, these partner institutions voluntarily contribute. Uh, there, there is actually no payment for being a Goan deployee, uh, but uh, like it's a $1 contract, uh, interestingly yeah. enough. So. so this is the organisations themselves to be part of it, a $1 contract, yeah. Yeah, so it um, so it, it relies on the, the partner organisations to support people to actually be deployed. Yeah. So, so essentially getting paid, you, you know, what you just releasing you from your time, is that what you... Exactly, yeah. pretty yeah. much, yeah. But go on, uh, like WHO, they pay for your airfares, your accommodation, your daily allowance, those sorts of things, but you mm. don't actually get a salary yeah. for yeah. being deployed, yeah. Yeah, everyone's got, well, not everyone. I know some people have got um, these visions that WHO got these infinite amount of resources. So the Secretariat, <laughs> if only, eh? The Secretariat in, in Geneva, how big a team is it there? At, uh, um, I th it, it, it fluctuates. Um, mm. So you have a, a core group of about eight people, um, which also, it's not just uh, the people who organise the request for assistance and the deployment, it's also education specialists. Um, so we do have ed educational specialists sitting within uh, that group. But there's usually about a core group of about five to eight people, I think. Um, and then they do have interns which will come in and they also do bring people within the secretariat in times of um, need, such as yeah. the moment, to be able to assist with uh, delivering and, um, and recruiting people to be deployed to assist. So what about what about your role then? Tell us about what, what do you do in your uh, liaison work and work with, with, with GORM? 
Okay, so um, as a member of the Australasian College for Infection Prevention and Control, um, I'm what's called the liaison uh, with GOAN. So I am a focal point. So when GOAN actually have a request for assistance that needs to go out to, for example, our membership for the the college, they contact me um, through a a centralised email system and then that request then from me goes on to, uh, after I screen it to see what type of member is appropriate... (laughs) (laughs) Um, And if if it's relevant to us at all, um, because the requests for assistance go out to all member partners. Mm. So, you know, we could actually get a request for assistance, which has got nothing to do with us whatsoever. Um, And so I don't necessarily send that out to the rest of the the college, for example. Um, And there are some uh, requests for assistance which are in particularly dangerous um, situations where you really do need people who have had received, and we, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a minute, a go-on training um, to be deployed, which requires, um, you know, specialist security training, um, actual, yeah, there's various levels of training that go-on provide, and I would probably redirect those ones to those people uh, specifically, and I have a list of go-on trained um, people in within our college and people I know have had experience in the field. Uh, because it's just some some of these are just far too dangerous like and actually would require extra United mm-hmm. Nations training to be actually even be able to deploy in those situations. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, I am a little careful about who gets what in that respect, mm-hmm. mainly to protect the membership and that um, yeah, we're just not putting people in situations where they're not necessarily going to be okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, you've, you've mentioned about this sort of Australasian College for Infection Prevention Control, you know, our listeners are all across the world. So would they, um, how would people find out about what their closest member organisation might be so that they can, if, if there's a bit of an interest to go, oh, I might be interested in helping out here. How, what's the best course of action for them to, to find that out? So what you can do is um, actually go onto the GoOn website. Um, and so I'll provide that link for you. Uh- <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, we'll post that on our um, but it does, it will have the list of the, the partner organisations and there's, what, probably about 250 partner organisations around the world uh, and, um, and you know, they're academic institutions, they can be, you know, colleges, they can be actually workplaces. Uh, so, you know, with the college for us, it's more of we... Like, we rely on um, people who want to be deployed for their actual employer to support them because yeah. uh, the college isn't in a position to do that. We're sort of more of a mechanism to share the information. Yeah. Uh, so there is, you know, go, looking at the actual go on page and looking at who the partners are mm-hmm. um, and associations like the college are often part of this, academic institutions, like I said, uh, and it would be through, you know, engaging with them to find out you know, how can I be involved in the future? And and one of those opportunities is through training, which go on do provide, and it is a, a matter of expression of interest to be involved with that that training. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, let's talk about the, the training side of it. Um, so, you know, people will be coming with all kinds of different walks of life of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, as you mentioned, you know, there might be epidemiologists, logistics perhaps, right through to infection prevention control. So what what sort of training is offered um, by go on? Okay, so there is the, the, there's multiple levels to the training. Um, 
Um, so there's like tier one through to tier three. Uh, tier one is the basic uh, information about what you would need to know before you're deployed. And I think the important thing to remember here is Gohan is not going to train you to be an expert in your field. They mm. expect you to be an expert in your field before you come to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tier one is just about that basic deployment. Uh, tier 1.5, which, you know, we had a training session just at the end of last year for, uh, which I actually do help co-facilitate um, the training with them. So I'm senior faculty with Gohan to do training. But Tier 1.5 that we just re- did recently with Japan and the Western Pacific region of WHO was around clinical management and infection prevention and control deployment. Uh, so it's sort of just a little bit more of a level up. And then level two is actually a simulation-based training where you're it's, it's immersive simulation for about a week where yep. you are actually given a simulation exercise that you're working with a team to actually do an investigation. And it's more, that that is about soft skills and like how to work mm. within a team environment, very little sleep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> high stress because there's 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 information being sent to you constantly um yeah. it, and you know you have a team leader you have to organize yourselves working with a team of people you've never worked with before yeah um from all around the world with all different specialties mm. uh so it's um it is really quite intense and uh, as someone who is involved with running the training, it's just as intense for the facility. I was going to say, just as intense for you, wouldn't it be? <laughs> yeah. And technically, you know, us who are running it, we're technically a go-on team in the field at that point in time as well because we're constantly mm. getting information about whatever else may be happening in the country that we're working with mm. actually at the time. Um, and then there's Tier 3, which is about the leadership training uh which again it was run over most of last year looking at those people who would be leaders in the field so mm-hmm. people who would be the team leaders yeah okay so uh, you know, the last couple of years uh, no doubt have uh, have been a challenge in the context of not only what's been happening with COVID, but other mm. things still continue. Um, there, there are still other issues. What, what have been some examples of some of the, the, the calls or things that um, you've seen, just to give a flavour, I guess, for for listeners about um, what some of the priorities and, and, and issues have been over the last year or two, COVID aside, perhaps? COVID aside? <laughs> um, well, yeah, we're, we're constantly getting requests for assistance for COVID. Yeah. Uh, but having said that, you know, uh, vaccine, uh, actually, well, I guess this is COVID-related, but actually mm-hmm. uh, vaccine um, deployment, particularly in uh, um, uh, the Afro region, so mm-hmm. the African region of the WHO, they've actually been asking for assistance to deploy people to assist with the vaccines mm-hmm. because, as we know, Africa has not been, um, not had the best coverage when an equity with vaccine availability to date and a lot of low- and middle-income countries haven't. Um, but we've still seen issues like with measles, with cholera, with, um, you know, not so much respiratory illnesses because well, because of the lack of movement, there's, yeah, there's been okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, basically respiratory illnesses have been under control, uh, but it's more about those um, infectious diseases which are influenced by um, particularly uh, um, the low socioeconomic situations, uh, disasters. Yeah, natural uh, disasters. Yeah, natural disasters. Um, so, you know, we, we've had Tonga recently. We haven't had a request for assistance for Tonga, for example, with their, um, you know, uh, volcano. But, you know, we are seeing in, you know, increases in numbers. But wherever um, there has been a change with infrastructure, 
for example, like mm. with, you know, water sanitation uh, and so forth, that can have an impact, obviously, in infectious disease outbreaks. Mm. Uh, we're obviously uh, having hurricanes or cyclones as well. Um, like, you know, I'm talking from a southern hemisphere yeah, experience, yeah. so I'll, I'll use the term <laughs> <That's> cyclone. <right. laughs> so cyclone, typhoons, hurricanes, all these have in, uh, impacts as well on infectious disease outbreaks. You know, mm. we, still, we still have all these other things that just, you know, keep going even when you do have a, a global outbreak or pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. So just thinking more, I guess, about the WHO um, structure. So, you know, mm. for example, in, in our region, we've got the, the Pacific, uh, is it the West Pacific region? I can't Pacific always, region. Yeah, region. Um, so how, do, how does Goan um, link in with the different regions for WHO to, to identify priorities. Is that why it's done centrally back through Geneva? or? Yeah, so um, how, how the actual mechanism works, I should probably explain how a, a deployment even happens to mm. begin with, um, is that you'll find that you'll have a, a country that may be experiencing an issue that they feel that they, can't, that they need assistance with. So um, the Ministry of Health of a country or, or a Department of Health of a, of a country may then go to WHO, say, we've got a bit of an outbreak, we're a bit concerned, can't, we can't, mm. we, we need some help. Um, mm. And it's not because capacity doesn't exist, it just means that they might just need some an extra expert advice. Yeah. And so going to WHO is a mechanism to assist with that. And then WHO then contact Goan and say, we've had a request from assistant, for assistance on this outbreak um, from the Ministry of Health of this country. Can you assist? And then what happens then is that goes up to, it goes to Geneva. Geneva, you know, then does their thing. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to, I think it's supposed to go through the regional office um, to then go to Geneva, but I think sometimes that doesn't happen. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> depends on the size of the country office, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of coordination going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. But, for example, with the Western Pacific Regional Office, they have a go-on focal point within, um, and I, I think there's a go-on go on responsibility in each of the regional offices um, with their um, infectious disease groups uh, or pillars within the actual regional office. So, um, you know, that request would go to them and then go to Geneva. But, you know, I, I work obviously very closely with the Wipro one, the Western Pacific Regional Office, sorry. And so, you know, she will, you know, send on requests for assistance to mm. go on in Geneva and then she actually helps with identifying who's appropriate based on the expressions of interest and then yeah. there's that deployment then follows through. And then yeah. but the, the member states themselves, the countries, the, the ministries of health, they're the ones who make that final decision about okay. who's going. You know, yeah. if they, they look through the CVs, like the, you know, through that whole WHO process go on process they identify who they think would be the best people for the for the actual needs um but it's actually up to the ministry of health to decide okay okay i guess ultimately you know they're coming into the country to to help mm. out they want to have a, that, that oversight don't they yeah they do and they have to you know provide like a, a letter of invitation and mm. you usually have help to show immigration, that quick immigration yeah. and the rest of it yes <laughs> i have got this invitation from the ministry um yeah. Yeah. So um, for, for people listening and they might think, oh, this is, you know, um, might be something I've been interested in, in exploring. Um, mm -hmm. They might have a supportive workplace. Um, we've mentioned the website uh, to go and get some more information. We'll post those details. But what kind of attributes do you think? Um, you know, you've been doing this for a while and you've seen yeah. probably lots of applications come in. Um, yes. <laughs> are, there, are there things that you think would are really key to, 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 um, to, to being not just 
um, being, I guess, deployed, but in terms of having a successful deployment, both from your own personal point of view, but from the receiving country point of view, um, uh, you know, other things that people might think, yeah, you know, have I got the right skill? So is, is this for me? What kind of other sort of things would uh, would you see is important to, to, to bear in mind? Um, I think when we look at the request for assistance that we get, a lot of the time, you know, from a, you know, technical perspective, they want people who are experts in their field. Um, and so not only practically, but they also want people with academic qualifications to support it as well. I, I would say more often than not, we they usually request that you have a, a master's degree in your area of expertise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's usually a given. Um, but also having at least like 10, five to 10 years experience, usually 10 years of expertise within your area. Um, uh, having an extra language is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's something that we come across every so often because like there's, I don't think, yeah, there's very few um, ACPC members who have French. Yeah. <laughs> and to work in some countries, like, for example, in Africa, well, in regions, like in a lot of the countries in Africa speak French. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, it sort of knocks us out of the, the running completely. And so, yeah, so languages, if you have a, an, uh, I don't have another language, don't get me wrong, I don't have one. Mm-hmm. Um, but because more often than not, you will have someone who will be able to support you in country anyway, mm-hmm. if language is a particular in, um, issue. Um, what else? What about like on a very personal level, you know, it might not be in the application form, but you know, yeah. what do yeah. you think of personal attributes? Just from your own experience about what's, what would be. Flexibility. Flexibility. <laughs> um, <laughs> Being flexible um, because your terms of reference may change like that. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, you also have to have excellent negotiation skills, uh, diplomacy. Mm-hmm. You have to be, yeah, not not too set in your ways. Uh, and I think one of the things to always remember, and this is something I learned on my very first deployment, and I had a, I had a culture shock actually returning home after it, uh, and this is back in 2003, was that you have to accept that low middle income countries just don't have a high income situation. And I know that mm. sort of sounds like, yeah, okay, fair enough. But mm. you cannot pick up, for example, with infection control, you cannot pick up an infection control program that exists in a, in mm. a high income country like Australia and put it into a low income country. Mm. It just doesn't work. Mm. You have to really listen to your partners who you're working with in country because they're the ones who are experts in what's going on there you have to be collaborative you have to have that um, capacity focus and it's cooperation it is it's not you going in and saying this is how to do it yeah. it is working with agencies in the countries collaboratively to make it work or help them working with what they have to make it work and if you you are going to make suggestions that you would never make in your own hospital or mm. your own health service, mm. uh, you will be saying, yeah, okay, we don't have proper sharps containers. Um, can we just use what the, the old dialysate um, containers or can we use, yeah. can we, let, let's go find some old paint containers that we can recycle. Mm. You know, you would never do that here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's just it. You, you do use what you have and you have to mm. work with the resources that you've got and don't be frustrated or angry with the fact that, this isn't going what what you do back yeah. home isn't going to work here you have got to listen to the experts who are there who understand their context a lot better than you ever will yeah um that that is core and it's it's definitely you not trying to make them fit what you do it's you fitting what they have mm. well you know that's a great point context is even 
critically important in high income countries, isn't it? When we think about what we're trying to do, often that's that's neglected and, and not thought about. Um, look, Peter Ann, thank you for your contributions um, to this field over many years. Um, and and I hope that um, people listening today, this might inspire a couple more people to, to, to think about joining, either trying to get their organization to sign up as a member organization, but um, to also perhaps participate in some way, shape or form themselves. So thank you for your insight. Are you, are you happy for people to contact you for, with questions? Um, uh, particularly in Australia, presumably, as we said earlier, there'll be different contacts for different organisations. So, um, but uh, yes, oh, that sounds great. Thanks so much for your, your time, Peter Ann, and your contributions. You're very welcome. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners. And um, until our next edition of Infection Control Matters, it's bye for me.